today, no Robert, no Kendall, just us. <laughs> I don't know why they do this. Do they trust me that much? I don't trust me that much. <laughs> I've been really looking forward to this, guys. I'm really going to take advantage of this. Uh, as Jeff says, uh, it's my favorite thing that he's ever said, probably. He says, when the cats are away, the mice will get slain in the spirit. So we're going to go for it this morning, guys. And today, since there is literally nobody to oppose me, like no one's going to stop me, I'm going to talk about a forbidden topic. I know, it's forbidden. It's, it's like hush-hush around here. All the other pastors, this is something that they kind of aspire it's, it's a, topic, a thing that they aspire to be, but I think, I'm going to go on a limb here, and I'm going to say, I think I'm the only one who's actually ever achieved it, okay? This is a, an ancient technique that was practiced by the very first humans, but has long since been forgotten by our society. And be forewarned, my friends, this is a very, very difficult technique to master, and sometimes it's really uncomfortable. What I want to talk to you about today is the ancient technique of doing less. Whoa. You guys are like, oh, my gosh. Hey, so I got some applause. Just be like, yeah, do less. Uh, see, as a Hawaiian, I consider myself a lead authority on this concept we call chilling out or relaxing. The, we do so much stuff around here, and, and I, I know that the words do less. When I say that, many of you are like, I saw it in your faces, you're like recoiling in fear and disgust. And I understand. We've been brainwashed by our, our society to do more and be more and, and get that grind and go for it. And so when I say do less, some of you guys just shake with, with anxiety, like I, I can't not do. I must do. But we're going to talk about slowing down a little bit. And, and we have... This high-performance disease that has afflicted so many of us that you guys, I've heard it a ton, are raving about this book. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Have you heard about this book? Have you read this book? Have you heard about it or read it? Raise your hand. All right. Moment of authenticity here, folks. I've never actually even read this book, okay? I, I really want to read it, okay? But every single time I... Ask someone if I can borrow it. They're like, oh, sorry, I don't have time to give it to you. Or, or, or they do have, have it, but they have it on audiobook because they actually never had time to read it, and they got to read it, listen to it on their commute or something like that. And I'm like, say la, you know, like people. And, and we do so much in our lives. I mean, if you think about the average young adult, okay? Let's just put your minds in the average young adult's shoes. And I walked this. I used to work in the corporate world. Uh, and this is basically how it goes. You wake up at 6.30. You have some FaceTime. You have some breakfast. You get ready for work. Drive to work. At 7.30, you get there at 8. And you spend eight hours of your day there, right? And so, and you take a lunch break. So you get off maybe around 5. You get back in the car. You drive home. Sit in traffic because there's always traffic. You get home around 6. Now, this is the interesting part. You have one choice here, right? You get to do one thing. You can either make your dinner and eat it. That's your one option. Second option is that you can try to be healthy and go to the gym and work out. Third option is that you can go to some church event. 
But here's the kicker. You can't do all three. You can only do one. And so you have to choose which one you want to do because you'll probably get done around 9, and then you get ready for bed, and then you go to bed at 10.30 to wake up at 6.30 and do the whole thing all over again. And that is just the young adult. Parents, Godspeed. I don't know how you do it. We are not trying to have kids anytime soon. Let's put it that way. Um, I want to introduce to you guys today a biblical concept of only doing what is asked of you. It's called obedience. And I want to make a suggestion that doing more than what is asked of you is called disobedience. Because even the right thing at the wrong time is still the wrong thing. And as we start our Decluttering the Soul series, we're going to have a whole series on this, folks. I want to kick us off with my word today. It is called the ruthless elimination of disobedience. All right? So let's open up our Bibles. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 15. We're going to start on verse 1 and strap in because we're just going to hit this whole story so we have context, and then we'll talk about it right after, okay? So 1 Samuel chapter 15, I'm going to read this for us. Samuel said to Saul, I am the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Amalekites, and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men, women, children, infants, cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys. So Saul summoned his men and mustered them at Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 from Judah. Saul went to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the ravine. Then he said to the Kenites, go away, leave the Amalekites, that I do not destroy you along with them. For you showed kindness to all of the Israelites when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur. I'm sure you all know how far that is. I don't have to explain it. I'm kidding. Um, All the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. And he took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king, because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry. He cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Malachites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites, wage war against them until they had been wiped out. Why did you not obey the Lord? 
Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the Lord's eyes? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is much better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For the rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Wow. That's quite a story. And to sum it up, basically, the Lord gives Saul this message or a commandment. He says, go and destroy all of this stuff. And Saul, he goes out there, but he thinks that he can do a little bit better. He sees all this great stuff, and he's like, wait, I don't understand why I need to destroy all of this stuff. We can take it, and we can sacrifice it to God. And honestly, it's kind of a good thought, you know? It's, it's not like it's bad, what he was trying to do. He was just like, oh, I'm going to take all this stuff and sacrifice it. But the problem here is that Saul said, I can do better than what God has commanded me to do. I can one-up him. And Saul goes beyond the boundaries of what God asked him to do. And the main word of God for you this morning, church, is this. And if you don't remember anything, remember this. Write this down. Here it is. Your soul will become cluttered if you try to produce more than you are called to sustain. I'm going to say that one more time. Your soul will become cluttered if you try to produce more than you are called to sustain. And today I want to talk about three areas. Calling clutter, and character. And they all begin with C's because I'm a pastor and I don't know when that happened to me, but I just have to have alliterations. I don't know what is going on. It's like a disease we catch. (laughs) But let's call about calling. Uh, Let's talk about calling, okay? Uh, When I talk about calling, many of us become intimidated because we think life calling, right? We think, oh my gosh, like calling is this grand thing. It's so scary. And although life calling is a real thing, I want to talk to you about what I call as momentary callings, okay? Because a life calling is made up of an accumulation of momentary callings. Here's an example. You might have a life calling to be in the military and to bring the gospel and the kingdom to the military. That is an incredible life calling that a lot of people in our church have, right? But your momentary calling for right now, God might be saying, I want you to go into the military, but first... I want you to do SOT, right? I want you to go through the school of transformation at at your church. And that's a momentary calling for right now. That's part of the life calling because God knows your life calling is built upon the accumulation of being obedient to your momentary callings, okay? And so I like to think about momentary callings as where the Lord is leading me right now in this moment. And so you look at Saul And Saul had a life calling. His life calling was to be the king of Israel. But he also had a momentary calling. And that momentary calling was to destroy his enemies, right? It was a commandment from the Lord. And Saul was disobedient because he wanted to do more than what he was called to do. And I know that sounds backwards. We're brainwashed to think that more is always better. I bet growing up, your mom told you, 
go the extra mile. My mom definitely told me that. And although I believe in the heart of that statement, which is hard work is godly and wonderful and is glory to God, I think as humans, we've actually taken that concept way too far. I mean, I've talked to so many people who brag about their 60-hour work week and how they haven't had a break since 2005, right? And we love to flaunt our grind. Like, oh, yeah, I've been working 35 days this month. And I'm like, how'd you do that? But anyway, like, we love to flaunt all the hard work that we do. And even in the church, like, we feel like more is better. You know, I talk to people, or I, even I have it in my mind sometimes. Like, oh, if I lead a life group, if I, if I do SOT, if I disciple 12 people, if I volunteer at church, if I babysit the pastor's kids, you know, then maybe God will be more proud of me than if I just did one of those things. And that's not true. That is not the case. It doesn't matter how much you give because obedience is better than sacrifice. And oftentimes we're trying to produce a lot more than we're called to sustain. And so what it really comes down to is this calling versus capacity paradigm. Capacity being how much you can actually produce, how much you can actually give. And we're often cluttering our lives because, and our souls because we don't understand that there's a really delicate balance between calling and capacity. And it's Corey Ten Boom that says, if the devil can't make you bad, he's going to make you busy. And so I want to show you this graphic I made for you so we can understand this calling versus capacity paradigm a bit better. I call this my decluttering decision chart. And if you're taking notes today, I would encourage you to draw this because it is awesome for making decisions on how to declutter your soul. Okay? So let's look at my chart here. We have the two columns. We have no capacity and capacity. Then we have the two roles, uh, rows, not called and called, okay? So let's use, and I'm just going to use my life for an example. Uh, let's pull a random example. Let's say I have this desire. I wake up tomorrow and I just have this desire to serve in kids' ministry. Maybe we've been hanging out with some kids. Yeah, kids' ministry, amazing. We love kids' ministry. Uh, all you kids' workers, proud of you. Uh, but let's just say we have the, I wake up personally with a desire to serve in kids' ministry. Well, I need to look at the chart because I know that I am called to young adults. That's my job. That's what I'm called to. That's what the Lord has spoke over me. So I look at the chart and I go, okay, well, I'm not called to kids' ministry. That's just not my calling. Maybe it's something I want to do, but it's not what I'm called to right now, at least, um, Watch, God's going to get me. He's going to be like, you're called now. You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, right now, I'm not called to kids' ministry, okay? And then I look at my life, and I go, wow, do I even have the time or capacity to serve in kids' ministry? I'm like, honestly, no. I don't have the time to invest in these kids, and they need time to invest in them. And honestly, I don't have the emotional or mental capacity to add that to my life. So I fall right here for volunteering in kids. Not called, no capacity. And I call that zone one, okay? Zone one, this is the do not do zone, okay? If you have areas in your life that fall into zone one, that is the get those out of your life zone. Do not do those things because you're not called to them and you don't have the time for them, okay? Those are the things that are cluttering your soul. Now let's move on to zone two. Let's just imagine that 
because of this message, all you guys say, yeah, and you all quit being kids volunteers, and our kids' ministry crumbles, and then I get fired. So, which, please don't do that. Uh, kids' ministry is great. You should all volunteer. Uh, but let's say I get fired, and I have all this free time now. And I'm like, okay, well, I, I don't have a job, so I got the capacity, but I'm still not called the kids. I'm called the young adults, but I got time to serve in kids now. That's zone two. Not called, but I have capacity. Zone two is a super fun zone because zone two is where we get to do a lot of the uh, freedom stuff, the stuff that we like to do. It's recreational activities. It's, 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 a good, it's the good zone. And so I think about some things that come out of zone two, uh, things like some people, it's SOT, right? School of Transformation. Some people, they're not like, I don't feel like a call from God to do SOT, but I, I have Tuesday nights free, and so I'd like to, right? And so sure, that falls in zone two. Go ahead, do it, right? A lot of people leading life groups. It's like, it's not like God parted the heavens and, and said, lead a life group. They're just like, I just wanted to give back in some way, and so I had the time to do it. I had the capacity, and so I wanted to do it. It's not like I'm called, but I have capacity. Those are zone two options, and that is awesome. But if you're in zone two, I would encourage you to seek zone four items. But we'll get there in a second. Let's move to zone three. Called, no capacity, okay? Let's just say God did open the heavens and say to me, Hudson, you've had it all wrong this whole time, you idiot. You're supposed to be in kids' ministry, not young adults. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, I've filled my life with young adult stuff, so what do I do? Here's the deal. If I have no capacity, but I'm called, this is huge. Because if you're called by God, you need to do whatever it takes to move into zone four, right? Which is called capacity. So what you have to do is get rid of zone one and zone two items. You hear me, church? You have to remove zone one and zone two items to make room to move into zone four. And let me give you an example from my life, uh, actually, that is taking place right now. Earlier when they asked me to preach today, I looked at my life and I said, wow, that's kind of a crazy time. Because I had just been coming back from Oaxaca, our mission trip. And as I landed, which I'm already behind because we took some time off to go there, I had a ketchup on all this stuff and then we had... Uh, my, one of my best friend Ridge's weddings, right? Ridge got married this past week, last week. It was awesome. Uh, he got married. So I was like, sweet. So, but that was a week of wedding festivities. And then the day after, I had to drive out to Flagstaff for another wedding, uh, which is just crazy, you know? And then we came back, and then I've got another wedding tomorrow. And so we've just been, we've been in kind of in the ringer of just like, not that weddings are bad. We love weddings and they're all good stuff. But I had a lot of stuff on my plate, and I was like, you know what? If it's possible, could I just preach a different week? Because this is a cr- kind of a crazy time for me. And the, the response was, well, we're all going to be gone. And the only other preaching pastor will literally just be getting back from a mission trip the day before. And he's also playing drums on Sunday. So you're the guy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, I'm the guy. And so I had to look at my chart. And I just go, okay, I know that I'm called to preach, but I don't have capacity. So what I need to do is eliminate zone one and zone two items. And so I said to Chloe, I said, all right, babe, clear the schedule. Like, we are not doing anything. I need to get my capacity back, right? And I know that this week I'm going to want to, because this is how I am. I just want to, there's a game night. I'm like, game night, I got to go. You know, there's, there's, a, there's something happening. I'm like, I got to go to that. I got to go to this, you know, like, 
And people are always doing fun stuff, and I always want to go. I said, babe, hold me back. Chain me down. I need my rest this week. I need my mental health. I need my emotional health to prepare a word for all peoples, right? And so I had to get rid of zone one and zone two items to move from zone three into zone four, which is the decluttered soul. Y'all tracking? Yeah? Does that make sense? Okay, write this down because this is good. Zone four is a decluttered soul, and because of moving from zone three into zone four, I actually had a great time writing this word, and I wasn't stressed out, and I felt minimal anxiety, so that was great. Amen. All right, so let's talk about clutter, because I know when I mentioned clutter, a few of you are like, what does that even mean? Like, what is clutter in my life? And I love this uh, because... so. Uh, Samuel goes to Saul, and he says, what is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this, this lowing of cattle that I hear? And so basically, he walks up to Saul, and he goes, what's all this stuff? What's all this clutter? Like, this, all of this shouldn't be here, is basically what he's saying, right? And it's funny, I, I was tempted, because the pastors aren't here, to name my word today, uh, get your bleat out of here, but felt like that was a bad idea, so I didn't. <laughs> but clutter is all of the things that you've added to your life that you want, but God has not given you, okay? Clutter is all the things you've added to your life that you want, but God has not given you. And there was a moment in my life where I may or may not have added unnecessary clutter to my soul. And I'll tell you this story. It's a fun story. Uh, if you don't know the backstory between my wife and I, uh, here's a quick synopsis. The Lord told me that I need to marry her, and so I pursued her. We dated for six days, and then she broke up with me, and I was really sad. Uh, but then the Lord said, you're still supposed to marry her. So I said, okay, God. And so I prayed and fasted for like, well, for a good portion, and then I waited for her for like seven months until she was ready. Um, and it was, just, it was this crazy time. I preached on it once. You can go and look at it, but it was this crazy time where I'm like pursuing Chloe because I had a word from the Lord that I was supposed to marry her. And so this is in the middle of the being broken up stage, right? So this is in the middle of the seven months. Uh, we are still not together. We're not talking at all, right? But Christmas comes around, and I go home for Christmas. I'm from Hawaii, and so I go back to Hawaii for Christmas. Well, Come, come this Christmas, her family had all moved from Oklahoma to Hawaii, which is like five minutes down the street from my house, right? And so Chloe goes home for Hawaii, which, uh, goes home for Christmas, which is now Hawaii. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to see her. Or, oh my gosh, I get to see her. I'm thinking, wow, this could be my moment, you know? Um, and this is great because, you know, her brothers are some of my best friends, and we hang out all the time. Her family, I'm really close with her family. And so we're in Hawaii over Christmas and New Year's, and I'm thinking, you know, this might be my time to, to get her back, to win her heart again. You know, I'm thinking, huh, we're going to be in close proximity. Maybe, you anyway. So, you know, I have these kind of thoughts. And so her family invites me to this uh, Chris, uh, New Year's Eve dinner. And, it, and it's this dinner at this hotel, uh, and the, it's got, like, a bunch of people who come. There's, like, this big buffet, and, and there's this DJ with a dance floor. Uh, and 
and I'm there hanging out with her family and her, and let's be honest, this DJ, not a good DJ, okay? Like, just not good. One of those DJs were like, just play a banger, you know? This, I don't know any of these songs. Like, I don't know what's happening here. And then, like, you got all these people at this, at this hotel Christmas Eve or a New Year's Eve party, and all these people, there's, like, a bunch of drunk people, and they're just kind of standing around the, the dance floor, not dancing. They're just kind of like, you know? I'm like, there is no music that is making these drunk people want to move, you know? So I'm thinking, okay, dance floor's dead. I got to get this party started, right? This is it's New Year's Eve. We got to get this party going. And I'm thinking, you know what? I can dance. Like, I actually can. Now, this is a secret about me. I'm pretty good at partner dancing. There we go. We know someone. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty good at partner dancing. And so I'm thinking, I can dance and get this party going. I'm also thinking, this might be the opportunity, you know? This might be the moment to, like, really woo this girl off her feet. Because Chloe's sitting there, and I'm thinking, hmm, maybe I ask her to dance and just show her some of my moves. And so <laughs> this, is, this really happened. I go up to her. I go, my lady, would you like to dance? And she's like, oh, my gosh, yeah. And so I take her hand on this empty dance floor, and I'm just like, okay, let's, let's get this party started. That's why I told her. I said, oh, just to get the party started, you know? But secretly, I'm like, I'm going to get you, get your heart. Um, so I get her, and I start spinning her around, right? We start doing all the moves. I'm dipping her. We're throwing her all around, right? And this is like, we're doing great. So much so that these drunk people are like, what's going on, you know, and they start gathering around the dance floor, I kid you not, this actually happened, they start gathering around the dance floor, and there's this crowd of like 30 people gathered around this dance floor watching us dance, and the next thing you know, they're pulling out their phones, and I'm seeing like camera lights, you know, like on my, in my peripherals, like, I'm like, people are recording this, people are taking photos, they're like, and I'm spinning her still, I'm not really paying attention, but people are starting to record this, and take all these photos, and the song ends, and as it ends, I, I drop her into one final dip, right? Just, like, perfectly on, on rhythm. And then all these drunk people are like, yeah! And they're going wild, right? They're like, oh, my gosh, it's amazing! And, and they're freaking out. Like, literally, the applause is rising. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, we created a spectacle. Like, everybody's watching us. I'm in the middle of this circle of drunk people, and they're all excited, and they're all screaming. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't really want to draw attention. I'm like... Thanks, everyone, you know, bye. You know, I'm, just trying, I'm trying to squeeze out of there. And then that's when it happens. I hear it from the back of the crowd somewhere, right? Someone's just like, yes, sir. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I heard that, but I'm going to pretend like I didn't, you know? But the thing is, someone else in the crowd had heard that person say it, so that person's like, that's a great idea. They're like, kiss her! And then... <laughs> So there's two people yelling, kiss her. And then soon enough, the crowd starts picking up on this. And like, yeah, kiss her. You know, and the entire crowd starts yelling at me, kiss her, kiss her. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, and then I hear someone right here say, kiss her. And I look over, it's her dad. I'm like, I'm like, George, like, I'm not even dating her. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? And so I have this moment and like, literally, Time, like, you know in those moments where time just kind of slows down, and you're, like, in this weird time warp, and people are like, kiss her. And you're like, I, all these thoughts are running through my head, and I, 
I'm like, the, the people, they, they want it. The mob, they're crying out for it. And I look over at Chloe, and she's looking up at me with those beautiful eyes. I'm like, oh, I can't look there, you know? I'm just like, like, it would be the perfect end to this cinematic moment, you know, where he, where he dips her and just kisses her, and she falls in love with him again. And, and everyone will go wild. And, and I'm having these thoughts in my head. I'm like, I could do it. I could actually do it. This could be my moment. And then I think, hold on. Wait, hold on. We're not even dating. Like, I don't even have permission to do this. Like, we're not dating. I shouldn't do this. And honestly, if I do this, like, I've built, I've spent these past few months, like, really trying to grow myself and heal. And if I do this, that will ruin everything that I've done these past few months. But then I'm like, but it's worth it. (laughs) You know? (laughs) But one more kiss. It's worth it, you know? Like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do? And, and so I'm having this moment. And so I'm like, do I do it? Do I not do it? And I look at her and I look into those beautiful eyes. And then I'll tell you what I did later. <laughs> you see, when I'm in that moment, I was thinking, if I do this, this will add so much unnecessary clutter to my life, right? But that's where a lot of us are. We're like, if I do this, this is going to add clutter to my life. But a lot of you are like, but it's worth it, you know? But it's worth it. And that's what I was thinking. I'm like, this is worth it. And there's things that you have or want that God has not given you. And they might be good things. They might be bad things. But you asked God for it. He said no. And you're like, well, I'm going to take it anyway, right? And you you do that thing that God has not called you to do. And some examples of that might be a relationship, right? Some of us, we ask God, should I date this girl? And he's like, probably a bad idea. And you're like, what? And you go ahead and do it anyway, right? And so it could be a relationship. It could be a financial burden. Maybe you're like, oh, that car is really nice. I don't have the bank account for it, but I could take a loan. And God's like, bad idea. You're like, I'm going to take a loan. And you go ahead and take a loan. Now you're in financial burden. And it's cluttering up your soul. Well, sometimes it's a time commitment, right? You just don't even have the time for yourself. But when that person calls and they need a favor, you're like, okay, here I go, you know? And you, you don't have, it's cluttering you up. And, and this is a big one, guys. It's called sin. And I hadn't, I kind of added this last second because this is just a no-brainer. Like, if you got sin in your life, that is definitely cluttering your soul. If you're feeling all twisted up inside and you got sin in your life, well, get that out so you can have a a decluttered soul. That could be anything. That could be pornography. I mean, if you're dealing with pornography, that is, get that out of there. That could be an impure relationship. That could be a, a lust for money. Like, a lot of these things, like, will clutter our souls up and get us all twisted up inside. And there's areas in your life where you don't have the capacity for it and you're not called to it, and you've got to get those out of your life. Sin is one of them. And so what do we do? Like, what do we do with all the clutter? Because I know how it feels. I mean, imagine being a pastor for a moment. Put yourself in my shoes and imagine being a pastor. Because there's a lot of clutter where, where you're like, you're feeling like, oh my gosh, these people need me. You know, oh my gosh, my ministry needs me. I don't have time for myself. I don't have time for my mental health, my emotional health. There's always an emergency. And you end up cluttered. And that's a sermon for later when your calling becomes your clutter. 
That's a good name for a sermon too, but I'm not going to preach on that today. But I'm going to say, how do we navigate this when you start feeling all this clutter in your life? And that is where character comes in. It's our third and final uh, C word, character. Because you see, Saul lacked the character to step into his calling. You can see it right here. It said on verse 12, early in the morning, Samuel, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told... Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone down to Gilgal. You see, Saul, he's like, I'm the man. I did it all, you know? And he he goes and he sets up this monument in his own honor because Saul was not doing it for calling. He was doing it for clout. You know what I mean? And calling without character will create clutter. Calling without character will create clutter. I was meeting up with a young man some time ago, and he was expressing to me. He said, man, I, I feel God just pulling on my heart. Like he's calling me back. And this, this young man, he was dealing with a lot of sin. And he's just like, but I feel God pulling me back into, into the church, into a right relationship with him. But I just, I can't. Let go of, I can't stop doing this sin. You know, I'm stuck on it. And he was telling me this, and he goes, he literally says this. He says, I am so sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. And you see, he was called by God, but he lacked the character to step into that call, and that was creating clutter in his life. You guys seeing this? And some of you feel like that today. You're just like, I'm sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. And I want to encourage you because there are a few things that we can do. There's a lot of things we can do, but I've only listed three of them uh, that we can do, three areas of character that are really going to help us declutter our souls. And so the first area here is called faith. And I don't want to be cliche, but faith. I'm serious, guys. Faith. See, this is for people who deal with anxiety from a cluttered soul. I don't know if you're like me or not, but oftentimes your soul gets cluttered with all of the responsibility that you carry on your shoulders. And you start feeling anxious and you start feeling like, I'm not at peace ever because I have all this stuff I have to do. And if I don't do it, it's going to fail. It's not going to happen. And that's where faith comes in because when I'm in those moments, I sometimes forget to have faith in God that He's going to take care of it. Like, I'm called to this, and God's going to take care of it. Because sometimes I feel like my role is so important that he can't take care of it without me. In church, let's just say we are not so important that God needs us to do what he's going to do. Right? He's going to take care of it. It's going to be okay. It's going to be good. If, you're, if you have an area in your heart, in your soul, where you're just like, I feel so responsible, and God has called you to it, let it go. Do you think that, not, that, that worrying about it can really stop him from getting it done? Like, if I got hit by a bus tomorrow, right, and all peoples was left without a young adult's pastor, I have so much faith that God can still bring revival to a young generation, right, without me. Amen? Like, he doesn't need me to do that. And I had faith in that moment where the crowds are going wild. And 
they're chanting, kiss her, kiss her. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is my moment to take my calling, right? To get this woman who God told me is going to be my wife, but maybe right now is not the best opportunity to do that. I had faith to look her in the eyes and say, thanks for the dance. I'm not going to kiss you. And turn around and walk away. Because I had faith that God could still work all things together to make her into my wife. And he did. Amen. Even though there there was that moment where I felt like I could take it for myself. Right? I had faith that God was going to do it how he was going to do it. Because God says that obedience is better than sacrifice. And we need to have faith that God can do so much more with our little piece of obedience, with our little yes that we can do with all of our efforts combined. Deuteronomy 3.22 says, Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God himself will fight for you. And this is something I always have to land on when I'm dealing with this. When I'm planning some young adult event or service, I got to say, declutter your soul, Hudson. Like, God's going to take care of it. Go out and get hit by a bus because God's going to take care of it, you know? I'm kidding. I'm not going to do that. Um, The second piece of character is this. Establish boundaries. And it takes great character to establish boundaries in your life. I just want to tell you that this is difficult to do. And it takes character to do it. I want to ask you a question that Jeff asked me once. It's so funny. You know Jeff. He's got all these questions. And so I'm standing there in the church. I'm in the church kitchen with my coffee and my bagel. And Jeff, in, in good old Jeff fashion, comes up to me, looks at me, goes, would you ever kill anyone? I'm like, holding my coffee, like, do I look like I would? I don't know. Am I threatening right now? You know? And he goes, then why would you dishonor the Sabbath? I'm like, oh, zing. Like, that is so good, Jeff. Because do not murder is part of the Ten Commandments. But what is also part of the Ten Commandments is honor the Sabbath, right? And so often we're like, oh, yeah, don't murder. That's a heinous crime. But we forget about honoring the Sabbath, which is a commandment that God gave us, one of the ten, to take a day of rest. And oftentimes We totally disregard that. And so part of keeping or establishing good boundaries is keeping the Sabbath, okay? And Sabbath was ordained by God for you. It was given to us as a gift. It says in Mark 2.27, Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It was given to us because... It's good for us. Studies show that people who honor the Sabbath show better mental and physical health. And honoring the Sabbath looks different for each of us, but all peoples, we like to say, if it feels like work, don't do it. Okay? If it feels like work, don't do it. I was laughing with a conversation that I was having with Jason, our college pastor. He's in the middle of a house project, and he was saying, you know, sometimes on my day off, I just don't want to work. Because it feels like work. Like, I just don't want to do it. And so I don't. I go and do something else that doesn't feel like work. But he goes, but other times on my day off, sometimes it's really therapeutic to just work with my hands and get in there and build something. And then I will. So it's so funny, you know. Sometimes it's the Sabbath, sometimes it's not. But the Sabbath looks different. But the point of this is take your day of rest. And it feels, if it feels like work, don't do it. And that's a commandment, not from me, but from God. Okay? 
Next thing under the umbrella of establishing boundaries. This is going to be a hard one for you guys, okay? It is okay to say no. <laughs> you guys are like, oh my gosh, really? And guess what? We're all going to practice doing this together, okay? We're going to say no. So ready? Three, two, one, no. Man, this is hilarious. Some of your faces are just like, no, maybe, you know, like, you just can't say no. It's so funny. Well, today, church, I'm going to give you the spiritual gift of no. Receive it. Take it home with you. It's kind of like the gift of tongues, but instead of shalala, it's na-na-na. <laughs> yo, yo, I'm for sure getting fired. It's okay. God likes good humor. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, man. Um, one time I invited a friend of mine to a, an event, and I love this because instead of the classic runaround that everyone always gives you, you know, everyone's always like, oh, I'm busy, or I got family in town, or whatever, you know, uh, this guy was just like, nah. I'm like, what? He's like, I'm not busy, but I just need time for myself. I'm like, dang, I respect that. Like, come on, give me the gift of no. Like, he just, no. And so, guys, I'm telling you, we got to build proper boundaries. That's part of character, right? That's part of decluttering our soul. Build proper boundaries. Use the chart that I gave you to establish, okay, what am I going to say no to? What can I say yes to, even if I'm not called to? But use the, the chart I gave you. And my last point of character is this. Let go of guilt. Let go of guilt. Because you should not feel guilty for being obedient to God, okay? Verse 24 says this. When Saul said to Samuel, then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the men, and so I gave in to them. And we often clutter our lives because we are afraid of what other people think. We feel guilty for breaking off that relationship that we know that we're not called to. We feel guilty for quitting that job when the Lord is calling us somewhere else. And we feel guilty oftentimes because we feel like we are letting other people down. And I want to say let go of that guilt. If God is not calling you to it, if God is calling you away from it, and you don't have the capacity for it, do not feel guilty for being obedient to what God is calling you to. And by being obedient, it's actually better for those people who you think you're letting down. It's actually better for them to be obedient to God rather than to please them. You'll notice that Saul's men, when he tried to please them, they were left without a king. They were left without leadership. He was stripped from his kingly duties. And so these people, his men, were left worse off than if Saul would have just been obedient to God. And so remember, to be the best father or mother or child or sibling, coworker, anything, you need to, go, you need to walk in what God has called you to walk in. And this is the hard part. Nothing more and nothing less, okay? Because then, when you do that, you will be emotionally and mentally healthy, and your soul will be decluttered. Why don't we stand?
Applaud for doing less.